Welcome, everybody. Here's uh, podcast number two. This is Psyche Matters. This is Concepts. They're known, or also known as Michael and Eamon. And uh, today we're doing Pulp Fiction. Yes, the great movie Pulp Fiction. Classic. Such a great movie. How old is this movie? I'm not quite sure. Older than I am, probably. So, uh, <laughs> I think coming up on the 30th anniversary next year. Dang. It was a good one. Such a great cast. Uma Thurman, um, John Travolta. This used to be my favorite movie. Samuel Jackson. It was kind of a trip rewatching this film. Yeah. How was your experience watching it again? Definitely different. I didn't see it the same way as I did as a child watching it. I don't think I should have been watching this movie as a kid. <laughs> I think I was watching this when I was 10 or 11 for some reason with my friend who used to roll uh, grass in pieces of paper and act like we were smoking joints. This is a, this, that's a friend who introduced me to this movie. What an interesting upbringing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I think what we're going to do today, and maybe we'll try this out in other episodes, is we each decided we're going to try to focus on one specific thing about this movie in terms of a psychological theme or something that interests us, and then try to focus part of the show on each of those topics, right? Exactly. Okay. And so I think, what do you think about starting us off? I mean, the one character that did stand out to me was just, it's, it's an easier character, would be John Travolta. Mm-hmm. You know, Samuel L. Jackson's character, his would be interesting as well. What'd you like about John Travolta? You know, if or I, not like about him? It wasn't a like or dislike. It was more from my clinical background, mm-hmm. really, to look at him and really diagnose the character. Yeah. Substance use, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. Heroin is his drug of choice, and it sounds like cocaine would be a. I think as well. Driving on the highway while totally stoned on. What is the term for that? On really strong heroin. Yeah, but what is the term for being on heroin? Actually, it makes it look like he's shooting up while he's driving. That's what the it looks like in the movie. Right. Yeah. I don't know if that's what actually was supposed to be going on, but it appears that way. Well, maybe we should even have a disclaimer about it because even. Us talking about it could even be triggering as well because you know for some addicts speaking about the drug paraphernalia or even the ritualistic process of opening you know yeah. the container yeah. right where or what do you call it the packet where the syringe is in and where the spoon is in and cooking it is all very triggering for someone who is yeah. an addict or ex-addict they cut a lot of that out by the way if you watch these this movie this is one of those movies you see on cable right. all the time or on certain networks. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I had actually never seen that part where he's cooking it in the spoon. No. Because I've seen it so many times on regular television. <laughs> like not the actual film. But yeah, that's part of that film is him cooking the heroin I had no clue yeah it makes sense it wouldn't be on cable or like accessible to the yeah. public but like when you see it you see a lot of yeah. it's very different even the rape scene is another scene that oh, yeah. could be very triggering yeah. so maybe the movie is really made in that way mm-hmm. to be like sort of a front talking about the underground of society in a way um i think go ahead. i think john travolta or not john travolta quinn tarantino is trying to I don't know if the word trigger is right, but he's trying to get under your skin a little bit with some of the stuff he puts in these movies. Yeah, maybe the word triggering. Trying to provoke you. Yeah, provoking would be a better term for it. From our background, triggering would be sort of the experience you have when you're seeing a situation that would trigger past trauma and stuff like that. So it's sort of that kind of terminology, but it is sort of provoking, you know, a person to feel a certain way about you know the scenes they're watching coming from our background again it doesn't it's not it's not too in your face at least for me it's fairly normal to see something like that and to watch it on film doesn't really make me feel provoked it just seems fairly normal right but people like that are in society going back to the character um to me i was looking from that clinical background that scope and it felt like 
he was more depressed. You know, uh, John Travolta. His character. Yeah, he's kind of a uh, aimless wanderer. Yeah. He said he was living in Amsterdam for three years. Doing what? In Who Am- knows? Exactly. But for me, it's sort of, why would he be living there, right? Yeah. Maybe to get some space from, yeah. you know, the life that he's living in L.A., yeah. right? Okay. And originally, I wanted to talk about his relationship with Uma Thurman. And I forget her, char- her name. Oh, Mia. Mia, right? Yeah. But I feel like it's the same thing. And if the movie's really, obviously the movie's about choices. And he, it seemed like he was afraid of hooking up with her or having a sexual relationship with her. So he had maintained. Oh, yeah, for sure. Maintained boundaries with her. Because he thought that he was going to get killed by Marcellus Wallace if he did. Yeah. He obviously was into her, right? It's shown by the dance. They're both into each other. Shown by the dancing, the good conversation during, you know, the dinner that they were having. Um, And then later, he goes to the bathroom. He's giving himself a lecture about how how to leave the situation, thanking her for the night. She ends up using, cutting up the drugs. So my question Mm -hmm. about their relationship, and maybe this is about Mia more, because they talk earlier in the movie about how some guy got thrown over a roof and off a window right? yeah, out of a window because he gave her a foot massage. Right. Yeah. And so then we're finding here that she's flirting with John Travolta's character, Vincent and kind of pushing the boundaries. And so I'm wondering if this is a problem actually with Mia in that she's kind of bored with her own life and she keeps engaging with men that she shouldn't be engaging with especially knowing full well that she's married to a crime lord and that she's the problem in some way. I feel like Mia's character... Yeah, I mean, she has some responsibility in her life, Yeah. right? But... Um, oh, maybe not. You don't think so? I don't know if she's taking responsibility for anything. So then the heroin overdose would be... Well, that would be rock bottom for a person like that who has no responsibility in life. Yeah, but she's second kind chance of doing whatever she wants. She was talking about her the pilot show mm-hmm. as if that was the crowning achievement of her life was <laughs> doing this pilot that never even aired. Right. It seems like she doesn't really have much going on for her. No, no, you're right. I don't think she really does have anything going on. All she is is Marcellus's Wall, Marcellus yeah. Wallace's wife. So maybe she needs to keep herself entertained by messing around with guys that are associated with her husband. But that's an interesting part. Is he's allowing it to happen? Who, Marcellus Wallace? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. Said, take out, take. Maybe he likes that. <laughs> he's one of those guys, but he says, "Take out, take Mia out to dinner." I don't want her to get bored at home. Maybe he's testing his um, employees, the loyalty of his employees. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, man. I feel like that would be one way to test loyalty, but it's sort of like you hire help to walk your dog. You know, like people hire a dog walker when it's like yeah. my dog's bored at home. Yeah. Go walk my dog. But I feel like that—that's the position we're we're putting Mia in, where. Dog yeah well he's essentially go take her out like i can't take her out but what is he doing at that hour of the night is he that much of a criminal drug lord that he can't be out at a restaurant with his partner i don't know he's a busy guy he's got a lot of people to kill the other interesting thing is about that kind of drug lord lifestyle is like drug lords wouldn't Mm -hmm. probably wouldn't date a mio wallace why do you say that just two different extremes of people i think i I wouldn't picture that being Marcellus Wallace's wife, you know, but maybe I'm biased and, you know, feeding into a stereotype. Yeah. But that kind of a drug lord, a hard hitting drug lord in that yeah. way. Yeah. With a Mia Wallace. I wouldn't, I don't see it happening. She's more likely to be with someone like a John Travolta, someone who both similar and maybe background, similar in conversation and stuff like yeah. that. But he also has a lot of money and power, and so maybe she was attracted to his money and power. Possibly, why not? Who knows? But he's not attracted to her to have another man walk, walk her or take her out to dinner. Yeah. You know, what is he actually doing during that time? We don't know what he's actually doing. We just know that he's a criminal drug lord 
who runs a big part of LA, possibly all of LA, when he tells Butch's character, don't come back to LA, all your LA privileges are gone. You know, that seems like this man has a lot and wields a lot of power. Yeah. Men like that typically are, are not one-woman men, though. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. So maybe, in essence, John Travolta's character, what's the character's name again? Uh, Vincent. Vincent, right. Vincent. Maybe even saving Mia. Saving Mia from boredom. Yeah. You know, and that sort of, her having that overdose was her wake-up call, I think. You know, all she, you're right, all she has to, to her name is really one pilot that never worked out, and she's this person's wife. Yeah. That should have been her wake-up call to be like, what am I doing? Mm. You know, when people go through these kinds of traumatic events or these kinds of events, there should be that moment. She's not a heroin addict. I don't think she's ever done it. It sounds like all she's done is coke. She, you see her doing coke in the bathroom, right? That scene that's depicted when she says, God damn. Yeah. I said, God, that... Yeah. Coke is her drug of choice. Just surrounded by a bunch of women that just act like she's not even there. Yeah, the powder room. Um, so that that overdose should be her wake up call to say, catch yeah. catch up. Basically, she got squashed. You know, it should be that moment to wake up. But his, I think a lot of that movie was about waking up. Like Vincent had the opportunity when she overdosed to say, maybe why did it come back to this? This is crazy. You know, but then he's still loyal to his boss. He's going to go kill his guy. His friend left. His backup left. It's just him on his own. Yeah. He ends up getting killed. Right. Yeah. Did, I'm not sure if Sam Jackson's character tells Vincent, come with me. Does he say that to him? Does he say, come with me? To who? To Vincent. Oh, I don't think so. No, right? No, because they're so philosophically on opposite sides of understanding about that situation, right? What is the philosophy? If we could talk about different philosophies between Vincent and you know, Sam Jackson's character. I mean, it seems like Sam Jackson or Jules is interested in kind of paying attention to what's going on around him and responding to it and not allowing things to go unnoticed, whereas... Vincent seems to be kind of ignoring things more, not paying attention in a way. Mm. Right? I guess when you, when one comes to that life, they have to ignore certain things, mm. certain realities that would be normal. Yeah. Right? Killing someone is abnormal. Yeah. But you ignore that. You would have to pay, you'd have to ignore that aspect of your job a lot. Morality, right? Mhm. Where I think when um, Jules's character, Sam's character, was shot at and he didn't get hit by a bullet or anything, mm-hmm. he couldn't he couldn't ignore that anymore. Yeah. His life was almost taken from him. Yeah. All the bullets missed. They killed the guy who shot them. Yeah. But I think he realized then that, oh, he almost lost his life. Yeah. While the other person said, no, I don't care. Yeah. You know, and I think... At some point, when one starts to change their life around, mm-hmm. they've, they're have they already thinking about changing their life. Mm-hmm. Like, they're coming to these thoughts. Maybe. And for yeah, him... for him. Hmm? Per- perhaps that's what was going on with the character in advance. I think he was saying... Some, when In the scene, we're in the diner, and he's holding the other guy at gunpoint, the one that's robbing him. He said, I've been saying this line, this biblical line for a long time, and I didn't really think about what it meant until, you know, this happened to me. Yeah. I think for a long time he had been thinking about it. If he's already referencing the Bible, like there was already something ingrained in him, some kind of goodness or some kind of faith ingrained in him. He mm. finally started to listen to that when this happened to him. Another, another indication of rock bottom for another person. He had an overdose on heroin, but he almost died. Both characters, Mia's character and Jules's character, almost died. Yeah. You know, you see them changing. Hmm. Like you had that kind of upbringing, you're saying? Well, that the upbringing, Carl Jung talks about, you know, having sort of a foundation, mm-hmm. right? A structure. If you have those structures, you can come back from maybe a psychotic break or something like that. Yeah. Right. For Jules, it wasn't psychotic break, but there is some kind of sort of underworld. And he's talking about the underworld struggle 
as well because when you're living that kind of life and murdering people i don't think you're walking a good path and i think that line that he's talking about was about walking a path and he's walking the path of darkness at one point and he wants to become a good person like the shepherd what is the shepherd then what does it mean to be the shepherd that's what he talks about at the end right he's trying to figure out that a little bit mm-hmm. <laughs> a shepherd um typically guides sheep right a good shepherd would take care of sheep. The sheep are very innocent creatures. They're kind of dumb. They don't know where they're going. They follow the shepherd. Yeah. But you trust. they trust the shepherd to guide them in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And I think he was realizing that maybe he was a sheep at one point. And his master was actually Marcellus as well as. That was interesting. Yeah. Right. And maybe. We, t- we talk about what's inside the suitcase. Yeah. But it was really for the, his own shepherd or the master, mm-hmm. the person who owned him, which was Marcellus as well as. He gave him his last, um, I guess he paid his last deed, yeah. right? Fulfilled the last mission he needed to fulfill for him. But he was done after that. So he's responsible for taking care of his owner or, or his master in some way, who is Marcellus. And yeah. maybe he's finding that that's not the right life to live for him, perhaps. If you work for Marcellus, Marcellus Wallace, yeah. you have to kill for Marcellus Wallace, especially yeah, in that position. Exactly. Um, that's the kind of sheep he runs. Mm-hmm. Vincent was a sheep when he came back. Mm-hmm. He had freedom, but he came back to that life. Well, that life is lucrative. It pays you. Yeah. right? You see the wolf paying um, Quentin's character money for like yeah. um, the sheets, right? And for just like yeah. to buy new furniture and stuff like that for the bedroom. That life brings money with it. Mm-hmm. He bought someone's silence with that money. Marcellus didn't even have to be there. His his other sheep paid. They yeah. know what he wants. He was like the master of all the pawns, moving all these pawns around. These guys are puppets. Controlling everything. And again, when you're at that level, you have people who follow you. I think jules realized it when he almost lost his life that you know what maybe i don't want to be this person yeah. to take these lives maybe for that's this not person. worth it maybe that's not what he wants anymore maybe he wants to find a different path for himself yeah. i'm not saying he's going to become a good person he has a capability of killing people but what i am saying is maybe he wants to draw his own line you're okay so you're kind of getting into what my point of uh focus or topic was for this podcast sure let's so you're talking about right now about the difference between some type of external authority mm-hmm. kind of determining things for you or maybe your individual conscience coming into play and being the thing that's helping to determine your choices yeah, correct sort of the psych well, the psychological influence that one holds on you when they have power over you yeah. um, versus your own power, your own, you know, desires for freedom. Yeah. We see that again with um, in the moment where, you know, um, he's getting raped. Marcellus is getting raped. He was getting fucked by someone. He actually, at the man who was so powerful, was getting fucked. Mm-hmm. That was a turnaround for him. Yeah. And, you know, you see this character wanting his own freedom. He's angry himself. So it goes to show that although one may think they're so powerful, they're so strong, these things can happen to them. Yeah. They can very much get taken advantage of and hurt. I think he got a taste of what, you know, the men who follow him feel and felt. Mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of these persons felt raped by him mm-hmm. or have felt intruded by him, better said. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, Butch was there and he witnessed that too but he also felt the same kind of pressure he felt that he had no freedom in terms of his own choices Marcellus wanted him to throw the fight Mm -hmm. he ended up saying I'm not going to throw the fight he ended up killing the other guy he fought doing something against your better judgment right he's asking him to go against his own integrity in some way I think it talks about a struggle, really. Yeah. A struggle between, you know, the, the external versus the internal forces. Mm-hmm. And that's really what, in psychologic, psychologically speaking, is really what we, you yeah. know, try to do in our own lives. Sure. We 
maybe external influences from our parents yep right or yeah. other factors bosses yeah. and stuff versus how we truly feel as individuals mm-hmm. it's sort of a line that we all deal with at some point who's going to make the choice is it going to be mm-hmm. the authority or is it going to be myself at the end of the day you know one decides what is the best for them for their survival yeah. the men that work for marcellus wallace they decided to follow in to follow what he said they stayed yeah. in line because the man pays them yeah. mia is taken care of by her husband yeah you know for sure um but we see him when the scene has happened when he's being intruded upon we see him you know as human because at that point he has no say into what's happening to him someone else you know takes advantage of him as well mm-hmm. essentially he he's just like the rest of them he's a sheep you know taken advantage of by someone else's external psychological influence marcellus then got a taste of his own medicine at that point until we have a hero and butch who was a character that always thought for himself he may have liked the money that's true at one point, he may accept, have accepted certain terms and conditions that were placed on him until he said, you know, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I'm going to fight. He fought, killed the guy he fought, left, yeah. knew that there were going to be repercussions for his actions, yeah. knew that men were going to come after him. But that was our hero in that movie. And that hero is the one that saved his enemy. That's a, so that's kind of like a heroic move in some way then, right? To save the person who wanted to kill you yeah but it's why does he do that though so that's my question is he has this moment where he's about to walk out of the pawn shop right yeah and he opens the door and he looks back and he hears the music still playing and he has to stop himself and he decides to go back in and help him so what do you think is going on there that makes him decide to go back Mm-hmm. there's a lot that that happens because if you're strategic if you're strategic you say if i help this guy it helps myself if you think that kind of way and you think that far ahead you keep your friends close but your enemies closer sort of thing mm-hmm. if i save him he's now on my side but i don't think his character thinks that way i don't think that he would go through all that at that point you know he's a boxer right yeah. the character is a boxer and he thinks for himself i think what it was was when you're hearing it, I think it, when he's thinking about leaving, he's hearing um, the intrusion happening. He's hearing it happen. I think something in him compelled him to save this person, but I think it might be his father's watch. His father was a hero, right? He's wearing the watch. He went over there for the watch. Yeah. This watch, his dad struggled to get him the watch, but it means something to be a hero. And for his father and his great right for what's right. Maybe, or to do what you think is the best thing, even if somebody else might say, you know, why are you doing that? Or why are you making that choice? Yeah, well, that's the idea of the hero. It's basic terms. A hero is a person who will fight for what's right. You know, you do what's right. The other that I mentioned is sort of the anti-heroes. I'll pretend to be a hero just to get my way so you get off my back, which I don't think he thinks that way. It's not strategy. It's more of the basics of, this person is being harmed, although I don't like him, he yeah. shouldn't have been harmed in that way. That's an interesting point, yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. The other could be, I'm so angry that I almost got hurt yeah. that I should go get my revenge on these persons who try to well, harm me. Maybe that's also part of it is that, well, what if it was me in that situation? Because it was a random draw in terms of who got put in that position yeah. and that it could have been him as well and so well wouldn't i have wanted this person to save me if it was me in there i do think that marcellus probably would have saved him because of the pride i know but what i'm asking is isn't bruce willis's character butch isn't that maybe part of what he's telling himself in that moment is wouldn't i have wanted him to do the same for me if i was in that position i think he would and that's what we call empathy yeah the compassion compassion well the empathy or compassion the hero has compassion you know and although marcellus is his enemy he has compassion for the human being right 
Marcellus probably out of pride would have been like, I'm just going to kill these guys and then kill Bruce yeah. Willis's character too. You know? So, okay. All this, it's, it's really interesting that you're talking about this because this all lines up with what I was interested in talking about. And the idea that I came to in terms of kind of what this movie is about in some way is the transition from the Old Testament God to the New Testament God. Oh, yeah? (laughs) And so it's not only being done in explicit terms, because what is the Bible passage? The Bible passage is Ezekiel 25, 17. That's from the Old Testament. Right. And that's that passage is said several times it says in that it's said in that scene in the apartment twice because you hear it a second time when you're getting it from that other perspective and you hear it a third time when he says it in the diner and so it's like a central part of this movie is that quote and so what do you know about the old testament god from what i understand is that he was actually more of uh, violent yes Right. So it's about violence, vengefulness, revenge, uh, getting back at others, very much eye for an eye type thinking. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's what he's saying in that Bible passage when he was always talking about it in his life. It was some cold blooded shit I would say to somebody when I was going to pop a cap in their ass. Right. It was a way to express how i'm gonna get you for whatever you've done you you've done something wrong and i'm going to kill you for it and i'm i'm taking out vengeance on you yeah this is me taking this out on you but what is he doing in the end in the diner scene he's being jesus he's re he's reinterpreting it right and he is doing it in kind of like a a messianic way of this is how it's been said before, but I'm trying to change. I'm trying not to be the vengeful God anymore. I'm trying to be the forgiving God. I'm trying to be the compassionate God. I'm trying to be the one who tries to understand what you're going through and maybe, yeah. And whatever is in the situation and let's take that into perspective. And it's, more of a cooperative type and it's yeah that's exactly what he's doing in terms of his reinterpretation of this quote but yeah that's interesting the, the, so i started thinking about that but then i'm like okay how many conversations or how many aspects of this movie are about the ideas of getting back at somebody or getting justice on somebody and so i went through a list Okay. Tony Rocker, Tony Rocky horror. He's thrown off of a building. Why is he thrown off of a building? Cause he gave a foot massage to Mia. Right. They had to get back at him for doing that. You kill the guy cause he gave a foot massage. Vincent talking to his drug dealer friend about his car being towed or car, his car being keyed by somebody. What does he say about his, what, what that person they should have happened to them. Oh, yeah. They should, have, should be locked up. Yeah. No, or I, I don't even know if he's locked up. Is it executed? It could be one or the other. Yeah. No, it's, it's something it's, extreme. Yeah. It's like. They should no, be shot or something. No question about it. No no jury, nothing. Just, I think he, I, it might be executed, but because of car, keying his car, that's his reaction. Extreme you get reaction. executed. Yeah. When Mia overdoses, they're worried about what is Marcellus going to do? How's he going to react to this? Yeah. I'm forced to tell Marcellus Wallace that he didn't help his wife. Butch having to talk about killing the other boxer in the fight. Mm-hmm. And does he feel bad about that? Or does he, no. you know, does he care about it? Even uh, Quentin Tarantino's wife, when she comes home, she's going to trip on him and maybe divorce him because she sees it. It's all about what is your response to certain situations that go on in your life? 
we talk about a God, a New Testament God who loves you unconditionally. Yeah. With the previous God, it's love with condition, eye for an eye mentality. Yeah. And I think that's really towards the beginning of the film, before the change, yeah. before, you know, Bruce Willis's character saves Marcellus as well as, and Sam changes, and everything's placed on a condition. You do this for that, tit mm-hmm. for tat. Mm-hmm. You know, towards the end, it becomes, and it's not conditional anymore. Yeah. It's unconditional. Mm. Right. I accept you. I'm trying to understand why mm. you're robbing me right yeah. now. Yeah. I'll give you the money in my wallet, but you have to leave. I'm a, I'm a God that will That's kill another you. part about it. Right. And yeah. so he doesn't let him off free. He doesn't like say, um, there's nothing that's going to be done about this. He actually says, I'm going to give you this money, mm-hmm. but I'm giving you this money so I don't have to kill you. And he's saying, this is the way that we set it straight. We're trying to set this situation straight. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get off without any repercussions, but we're going to try to find a way to come to some type of agreement. Yeah. And so this is the other part I was really interested in. This is I've been reading the moral judgment of the child by Jean Piaget. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so it's a child development book. He's talking about children and how they develop their moralities, but it it definitely has a lot in it that has to do with adult morality too, and how there's stages of adult morality, just like there is stages of child morality. And one of the things he's hitting on in this book is that children who think in terms of justice and justice in the sense of retributive um, consequences. I think that's the term he uses for it. I'm not quite sure, but some type of uh, punishments that are handed down. Oh, distributive justice. Yeah, something something like that. But some type of punishment that's handed out, that's usually determined by external authorities to children. And so when they're small, they're thinking in terms of people need to be punished for things because that's how they were raised by their parents mm-hmm. and that you need to you need to have a consequence for what you did. I feel like that's called a pre pre preoperative stage or something. Perhaps like there's a stage where they Perhaps. they think that way. Yeah. But a, a lot of the mm-hmm. thinking in that in that egoistic phase, that's one of the ways he characterizes it too is the punishments aren't fair or just usually Mm -hmm. they just are and it's because the external authority has said this is what this is how it is this is so and so you accept that but there's no rhyme or reason to it necessarily there's no explanation for why you're supposed to get punished this way or why this is supposed to happen it just happens and so what he then talks about is the development of into a more adult-like morality mm-hmm. is when there's no longer it's no longer based off of external authority, but now it's based off of reciprocity and cooperation, mm-hmm. and that we're just trying to set things straight and make sure that if you if you cheated or you lied, mm-hmm. we need to make sure that you don't do that again. But we're not trying to we're not trying to punish you just for the sake of it. We're trying to make sure that that doesn't happen. We're, again. Get, we're getting the th- this thing in order so that we're playing a, a game that's fair for all of us, and we're all on the same page and we're all on the same team, and that's cooperative justice. Mm. And it's not about punishments necessarily. It's about let's let's do this together. We're going to work together to come to this conclusion. And that's a more adult type of morality, and that's what it seems like. Quint or Samuel L. Jackson's character is definitely leaning towards at the end of this movie and how he's moving away from punishment for punishment's sake, which is a lot of the killing that's happening. Like you robbed from Marcellus Wallace, you need to be killed. Now it's like, let's maybe we need to figure out what is the best way to handle this situation. And that's always contextual. And I always have to involve a conversation among the parties involved. Yeah, it's interesting. It becomes a negotiation. Both have to agree yeah. on on the resolution. Uh-huh. I feel like he got there because of the, this thing that happened to him, right? He got there because of 
this major event in his life mm-hmm. that made him question his life philosophy and himself, the way sure. he was living his life. And I think this is, that's really what happens for adults because some adults don't operate that way. They operate in the way yeah. that Vincent would operate, which is... Isn't that what happens with a lot of people who go through some type of religious conversion too, is they have to have some coming to God moment almost? <laughs> a lot of, there are people who do come to Christ, right? Yeah. And they end up having the old way of thinking, but they have, you know, their brothers or their sisters who mm. um, uh, talk to them and sort of console them during, you know, the groups and tell them, hey, this is how you should be living. You're, you know, you're a young Christian, you're believing in God, but you don't know the morals and the values yet. We're teaching you how to see mm. the world differently through what you're talking about. This this operational phase right or this you know this phase of development you know and i think for some people like sam who maybe doesn't have that background right they have a diff- they have maybe an understanding or reading of the bible yeah and um, but now it's the same way looking mm. at the bible differently and end up being like a experiential thing where the experience of what happened is what it helps you makes him realize some of the stuff that he's been talking about and he's been spouting out without understanding it. I think he in understood a, a more embodied way. Exactly. He mm. understood it in one way and now he's understanding it in an embodied way. Yeah. Right. But it's a reinterpretation of the same text. Yeah. Right. But yeah. that goes to show that if he see, read one thing one way later in life, we can read it a different way and reinterpret it based on now our new experiences. That makes sense a lot too, because if you think about, Old Testament Bible as well. It's, I think one of the things I understand about it is it's centered around the Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. and the Ten Commandments are another example of external law or rule or authority that you need to listen to, and that you cannot question, and that you have to subscribe to at all cost. And it's a, so it's exactly what you were just talking about where mm-hmm. the, the, the thing from the outside is telling you how to live your life and what you should be doing. And you can read that and it can maybe profit you in some way because it's a kind of a moral guide. But at the same time, maybe you're interpreting it in a completely wrong way. <laughs> and maybe the way you're interpreting it could be really fucked up like how samuel L. jackson was interpreting it yeah and that happens and he needed to go through some type of experience himself to realize oh maybe this was maybe i was wrong in this interpretation the whole time maybe you know honestly one of the catalysts to the reinterpretation was the shooting but it wasn't until that what happened in the diner and he had a gun pointed at him on a criminal trying to rob him to realize maybe the ugliness of himself at that moment. And it's not until maybe you see your own mirror, your own ugliness, do you realize, yeah, hey, like, what am I doing? Yeah. And I think that was a moment when he realized and started to reinterpret. He was able to talk out loud and reinterpret the line that he keeps speaking about, the Ezekiel line. Yeah. And that's when he realized maybe I need a change. Yeah. He said he had to think about it but a we have, lot. We have the character in Vincent who says, if you give that man your money, I will shoot him on principle. Mm-hmm. So we have, when we try to leave the underworld, I think, right, that lifestyle, or make changes for our own lives, we're going to have people who want to bring us back to that life. When they see that maybe we're leaving them behind. Yeah. And as we start to leave them behind, yeah, there's sort of this feeling of, I'm being abandoned by you. Yeah. You know? And he's like, if you do that, I'm going to do this. He says, no. Yeah. I think he stands in his conviction and says, no, don't do anything. Don't shoot them. Yeah. I'm, I'm the one still in control. Yeah. And it, his, uh, Samuel L. Jackson's or Jules's revelation doesn't mm-hmm. make sense to Vincent at all. No. And this is another thing we're talking about and the difference between personal conscience mm-hmm. and the external authority. Mm-hmm. And so Vincent's very steeped in external authority he's he's definitely about punishment for punishment's sake and you know we're talking about keying the car and old testament killing killing the guy for it or whatever a lot throwing him in jail i don't know what he said but he's he's 
entrenched in that. And so when he hears Jules talking about this other kind of life and maybe walking the earth and figuring out where God wants to put him. He starts to criticize him, right? That doesn't make any sense. And he can't, he can't jive with it because he's not, he's not living his life based off of personal conscience at all. He's basing it off of everything that's conditioned him for his whole life. I feel like, that kind of conversation was so quick. He was actually talking to Vincent about it before Vincent went into the bathroom. I think he was already contemplating leaving the life. Yeah, for sure. And then this guy comes with a gun and then points it at him. Then he starts to really reinterpret his, the, the line, which cemented further that he wanted to leave that life. But I think what's being shown in the film is a process that happens to people in such a short span of time. This process takes yeah. a long time for people to change. Sure. You know, it takes definitely years probably. Yeah. And I think that's what happens in movies a lot is you only have two hours. And so everything is kind of truncated and, and put into a small time that, frame. That's fine. I just wanted to point out. Oh yeah. You know, cause if we do, we do have listeners. Yeah. I think it's important to point out that that process does happen to definitely. people, but that process takes a long time and it takes a lot of realization <laughs> realization and reinterpretation of you know even a line that you continue to say to yourself you know for sure yeah yeah it's a i don't know it's an interesting movie i think this also goes along with what we're talking or what i'm talking about with uh butch or bruce willis's character too in that he is the in that moment he's the forgiving god he's the compassionate god who says hey you know i wouldn't i would i need to help this guy out because that's not fair maybe what's being done to him Mm. it's not okay for him to be in that position maybe he's suffered enough at this point and let's get him out of there you know Hmm. i mean i could see that yeah i don't know if i would say he would be a god no, I'm not saying, but, I'm saying he's kind of embodying it, you know, he's it, it's in the same way as Christ embodies God. It's like yeah, you're yeah. trying to be that type of, of, of that's what deity. Yeah, you're trying to be that kind of a person, right? Yeah. Uh, to save a person. Yeah. But we realized, okay, you can be, but the way he killed these men, he, he was actually contemplating murdering these sure. guys. Sure. The but weapon. maybe that maybe you have to in some situations if you have to become the things you don't like to survive those situations as well especially such a grotesque situation as yeah. you know the intrusion yeah um it's just in the hammer the chainsaw and then finally he says the samurai knife is what he chose you know and he did strike people down he cut yeah. one through the chest and then the other guy, yeah. I don't think he cut him, the other guy shot him. Yeah. But you, one has to become as evil as evil mm. to survive a situation like that. Mm-hmm. I think when it comes to that kind of a violent situation, you know. I, I do think there is definitely a great deal of compassion and forgiveness on his side to make that choice, though, mm-hmm. when he could have easily just left. And he would have, because Marcellus would be dead. He could have left. He could have called the cops. Yeah. He could have done, like, uh, it seems like when one operates in this world, they're not thinking about morality. Because mm-hmm. you can, outside of everything, should call the police, mm-hmm. right? And say, hey, someone, something's happening right here. This this needs to happen. Yeah. I, f- I think, but outing that would have outed Mar- Marcellus. Maybe. But at the end of the day, I mean, it feels like... It, it's still the underworld taking care of the underworld because you leave it to Marcellus to clean up the bodies or do what he has to do. He's going to have a couple of hard hitting gangsters show up, Yeah, you know, hurt these men. Yeah. He's still operating in that world, old Testament world. Oh, definitely. I don't think he's changing. Well, Bruce's character, I don't think he wanted to bring in anything else, but I'm going to take things into my own hands, get rid of these guys and then just take off right into the sunset and leave this world. He says, don't even come back here anymore. He's yeah. the only one that actually escaped. Him and Sam are the only two people that actually escaped that world. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And Butch's wife, she was never really involved anyways, but he ended up taking her and they end up leaving. You have Mia who's still involved with the world, likely going to continue to use, right? Yeah. 
um, Marcellus, same person. Like yeah. they're going to continue to murder, even become an angrier kind of a god, an angrier kind of a person now. Probably. No. Right. He was, he was intruded upon. He was raped. Why wouldn't that make him angry? Yeah. You know? Sam, I'm interested to see what happens to his character. The, the story continued to follow him. Would he, would he have continued to become that shepherd? Because that, that takes time. I think so. To, to become a good person after being that kind of a person. It's a film, obviously. Oh, well, he's going to walk the earth. That's what he said, right? Like in that one mo- show, right? The yeah. one with... Um, I forget uh, his name. I forget what he says. Yeah. Like that one character. Yeah. Like a monk or whatever. But you see that when one walks the earth... They, they go through all these experiences to try to change. And I think that's really what he wanted to do. Yeah. Um, to go through that process yeah. and change. It's like wandering the deserts for 40 years. I forgot which person in the Bible did that sort of thing. Yeah. Was it Moses? I think several people did. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's what he's trying to do as well. Walk the desert, walk the earth to have these experiences, to come to a new realization yeah. of God and himself. Yeah, for sure go through some change of heart change of mind perhaps mm-hmm. yeah what did you think of mm. bruce willis and the way he spoke with his french girlfriend mm-hmm. um <laughs> i had some problems with it i mean he pacifies her right oh for sure like and that's that's some men who have that kind of a life, who are actually violent or live a violent life, can walk both paths. Some men can be the good man and not the good man. Yeah. You know, and Bruce is a, at least his character is a boxer, he's a fighter. Yeah. Part of being that is that you hurt people for a living, mm-hmm. but then he can switch it off. Yeah. And so to me, that shows sort of a balance between the feminine, feminine and the masculine, yeah. sort of the violent and the nonviolent. She stands as a person who is just feminine, who will yeah, pacify like almost him. helpless in a way, helpless in a way, but it will also pacify him. Yeah. She, he said, "What about my dad's watch? Did you get my dad's watch?" And, and and then, and she's like, "Did you want me to get his watch?" And he's like, "Yeah, I wanted you to get his watch." She says, "Then yes, I did get his watch." Mm-hmm. And started to pacify him and be like, "Yeah, yeah you did." But then, yeah. she later says, "No, I didn't get it." Yeah. But then he understands what she's trying to communicate with him is, I just don't want you to yell at me. That's why I'm telling you what you need to hear. Now, is that good? Sometimes it's good, but I would rather have a partner who would be honest yeah. with me. Yeah, see, I think that's what I am I was kind of picking up for the most part is they're not in a real adult relationship. He kind of talks to her like he's a, she's a child for the most part. It's an infantile? Yeah. Yeah. He kind of... He repeats, infantilizes her. Yeah, he repeats a lot of the things that she says, and uh, almost word for word, or kind of tries to encapsulate it. But he's not really responding to her. It's almost like he has to restate what she says to make sure that he understands. That's kind of what you would do with a little kid. Is am I am I understanding what you're saying correctly? Yeah, there's Um, a cultural barrier. Yeah, well you could say that that's what's going on or that he just treats her like a child for the most part, even with the thing when he blows up and he gets really angry with her, he gets angry at her. And then he's like, Oh no, it's not your fault. I wasn't more specific. That's how you would calm yourself down with a child is that you'd say, okay, it's okay. It's not your fault. I'm not, I'm not mad at you. That's not an adult <laughs> relationship it's okay to be mad with your partner you know sometimes we choose partners based on our own emotional maturity level yeah for him to tantrum in that way something to say about the character maybe yeah but him to say to to tantrum in that way does speak about his level of maturity as well also speaking of picking a partner who there are french women who are intelligent who would say yeah i didn't get your watch go get it yeah like the woman in the taxi cab who yeah. seemed to be functioning For at sure. a higher level of maturity. Yeah. While her, she's sort of an innocence to this man who's a monster in a way. Yeah. 
and then but he's also not a man who's mature in his own way because yeah. at the end of the day he didn't have to kill the other guy yeah you know and it kind of makes sense that she would be childish in a way because he just wants somebody that is going to pick up and go wherever he goes and she doesn't have her own life really she's just kind of doing whatever he's doing so that kind of does make sense that she wouldn't necessarily be an adult you know yeah i mean i feel like she is in a way an adult in her own way yeah but she does things to pacify him as well yeah you know because there is one scene where she's like okay and I found that interesting. It was a sex scene. And when it came to sex, she had power over him. He's like kissing her and then he's going to give her Kalingas, right? And she says, okay, I'll kiss it. I'll kiss, you know, she says, I'll yeah. kiss your member. Yeah. If you, if you give me this first, if yeah. you kiss me first. Or give oral pleasure. Oral pleasure, right? Right. Have oral sex with her. So she had some control over him when it came to the sexual component. And that and that's like, okay, I'll I'll do this for you first. I'll do the deed for you first, but then you get me afterwards. She's like, yeah. yeah. So she has the ability to negotiate with this man yeah. who's a scary, violent man. Yeah. So she does have some power in a situation. Yeah. But I think her character knows what she's doing in terms of sex, in terms of getting what she wants in a way. Mm-hmm. So there is an innocence to her, but there's also the feminine, the femininity and feminine manipulation that she has over or power over this man. Yeah. When it comes at least to sex. For sure. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, this was a. This was good. I like this. This is an interesting conversation. I felt like we kind of were on the same page a lot of the time, for sure. Yeah. It right? was a good conversation. I enjoyed the time. Awesome, man. Well, uh, let's keep doing it. Hopefully, again next week. Mm-hmm, for and sure. And. We'll figure out what we're going to talk about next week. Yeah. Have a good week. Deconstructing the psyche. We're out. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye.